Welcome to the Financially Independent Teachers Podcast, where educators come together to discuss their journey on the road to financial independence. Now, please join our co-host, Dave and Brandon, as they prepare to help other educators get fit with their finances. Welcome and thanks for joining us on episode 114 of the Financially Independent Teachers Podcast. If you think your story could help other educators and you'd be willing to come on the show, please check out our website, financiallyindependentteachers.com, and fill out the form to come on the show. Coach, last week we made a push. Uh, obviously, we're, we're so thankful for our fit family out there to try to get triple digits in this Apple podcast review. We picked up a handful more and we are marching toward 100. So I just want to thank all the listeners for taking the time to even give us that five-star review. It helps share the show and help more people along the way. Coach, how are things in New Bern, North Carolina? Things are outstanding. I, I'm, I, I like the idea for this show. You know, you had mentioned that uh, you wanted to do kind of a reintroduction of us. You know, we've, we've done 114 episodes now, right? This is the 114th episode. And uh, over the course of time, man, we have learned a lot. We have, um, we've grown, you know, and, and so a reintroduction seems like a, a good idea to me because we've got picked up a lot of listeners. Uh, I mean, in the last 25 weeks, a lot of listeners and, you know, they may not know us very well. And so this is a good idea, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, the whole, the whole point of this show, uh, the Financially Independent Teachers podcast is to provide hope, coach. Um, I was kind of sick of hearing teachers in the teacher's lounge and people on social media complaining, you can't be a teacher. You can never win with money as a teacher. You're, you're taking the vow of poverty as an educator and you'll never make it. And I had seen and met lots of teachers who were winning with money. And instead of clapping back and getting into the back and forth on social media, I said, Hey, why not just have a show where we interview teachers, share their story on how they're becoming successful with money and we can show and prove that it is happening. And according to uh, Ramsey's solutions, teachers do come in at number three for the most likely job to be a net worth millionaire in the United States. I don't know if that's the right wording, but you can fix that for me, coach. Yeah, the, the third most represented profession. There, there it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. Of of all uh, professions, I mean, with with I believe it was engineers was two, and and accountants was number one. Uh, I actually told that to my class, uh, my classes the other day, and they all, their mouths dropped. They were like, "What?" And uh, and so I explained what net worth millionaire is, and, and explained you know a little bit about how teachers might could get there, or middle income earners can get there. And you know it was it's always fun to watch their faces, you know, because we always have this, you know, because they said I said, "What do you think are the professions that are most represented?" And they were like rappers, you uh, YouTubers. They said. Um, athletes, you know, those are the things that they, oh, yeah. they said, you know, doctors, lawyers, you know, that was what they said. I said, actually, it's none of those. And, and, and it was, so that was fun. But, um, you know, when I got on the show uh, or when I came onto the show, when I, you invited me, uh, you told me your vision and, uh, my first reaction, I don't know if you remember what my first reaction was. My first reaction was you have got to be crazy. Uh, I told you that, um, I have made every mistake with money in the book that you can imagine that I've made it. I mean, I, I, I took a vow of poverty. I didn't care about money. And um, because I never thought that I could, I could build wealth as a teacher. You know, I was, I've been told that I've, I've wanted to be a teacher since I was in the sixth grade. 
And I never changed my mind. And I always told people I was going to be a, a teacher and a coach. I really want, you know, sixth grade, I would have said I want to be a football coach and I have to teach, you know, to do that. But, um, but, but, you know, I always, I always told people growing up that I wanted to be a teacher and they said, well, you're never going to make any money. Everybody said that always. And even teachers would say that, well, you're never going to make any money, you know? And so I just believe that. And, um, you know, so when I got out of, when I got out of college and, and secured my first job, I just kind of thought, well, as long as I can pay my bills, I understand that I'm doing something that I love and that I'm not ever going to build wealth. And so it was never on my radar to do so. And when you don't have a goal, you make a lot of mistakes. You know, when, when you're just, when your only goal is, well, as long as I can pay my bills, you know, that that's a bad place to start because you're heading down a, a pretty bad road. And that road took me down. I actually went through a foreclosure at one point. Uh, credit card debt, you know, made the mistake of the debt consolidation loan and then ran the credit cards back up again. And the thing I think that I, the thing to note about that is that I didn't even buy anything really that helped me uh, necessarily. You know, you, you know yourself as a coach, um, it's really easy to start spending money on the program that you're coaching and on the kids that are in it. And that's really where, but other than going out to eat, that's where most of the money, you know, went. And uh, I, I ran up those credit cards and, and I just, you know, but I can make the minimum payment on the credit card. And so, so, so I'm, I'm okay. Uh, you know, and then, you know, it's amazing how back then they would offer you uh, credit cards in the mail all the time. You know, those credit card offers used to come. Oh, they already had your name on it. Just, they said, did, you know, man. just pull this thing on the back and call the number and activate. <laughs> and they knew exactly when I maxed out the previous card. They knew, <laughs> they knew here, here's another one, buddy, you know, but, so here um, you are a teacher. Yeah. Taking the vow of poverty. Hey, I've always wanted to do this job. Right. You're hanging out with a bunch of coaches that are going out, probably slinging the beers around, playing trivia, you know, everybody kind of in that same boat together. But hey, we're having a great time. Yep. We're winning football games. Uh, for those who might not know, can you kind of give us just a, a brief update on your teaching career, where you teach, how long you've been teaching and, and all the different things you've done in education? Yeah, I've been uh, I've been a teacher now for 22 years. Uh, I've I was a football coach and a wrestling coach from the lion's share of those years, and uh, love both sports. I participated in both sports in in high school. I, I played college football for four years at a place called Methodist University in Fayetteville, North Carolina, NCAA Division three. And um, I you know uh, love coaching, you know, but I also grew to love teaching too. I was I'm a social studies teacher and. Um, I fell in love with teaching in the classroom, you know, because again, it's just another thing that uh, it was a challenge. You know, I, I, at one point I, I taught at an inner city school and, you know, they say, oh, you can't get good test scores here. And I was like, okay, watch, we will, we'll get to good test scores here, you know, and, 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 and we did. And I, I taught with some great people there and had a great principal while I was at that school in Fayetteville and um, always was passionate about the classroom, passionate about the football field, passionate about the wrestling room. Um, had no, had no thought for money though. No thought for money, no thought for what I was doing with money. I was spending it as fast as I could get it and had no real goals when it came to that. And so, um, it wasn't until I, I went through a divorce, uh, in January of 2020 that I started thinking, man, I am in debt and I've got a lot of work to do to get myself to a place where, you know, I'm at least, I'm at least, I can at least be comfortable. You know, I, I was beginning to feel that pressure of, of, wow, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not comfortable. I'm, I'm stressed out all the time because of money. And when you're stressed out, it affects everything else. It affects the, the job that you're doing in the classroom, the job that you're doing on the football field, the wrestling room. 
And so um, I, I said, I've got to do something about this. And I started reading everything I could get my hands on. It started with, you know, Dave Ramsey's literature. And um, I said, okay, I got to get myself out of debt. And, and so I started the process. And of course, during that process, <clears throat> I was joining all of the online platforms, uh, the Facebook pages and all that stuff where, where personal finance was being discussed. And one of those pages was a friend of mine that I knew named Dave Fleischer. We hadn't done a whole lot of hanging out, but we hang we hung out at some uh, county teacher trainings and things of that nature and laughed and joked. And you and I were both coaches. And so I uh, joined your page. I started commenting on your page when you would post things. And uh, the next thing you know, uh, I find out that you're going to start this podcast and and you've invited me to be a part of it. And I've told you that's a bad idea, Dave. <laughs> I'm not the guy. And uh, your response was not what I expected. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just a brief background on, on myself. I ha- I don't have as many years in as you as you coach, but I guess you would say I'm a veteran. I'm getting ready to wrap up year 17. I've taught at the same high school the entire time, Jacksonville High School here in Onslow County, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Uh, I've taught pretty much every history subject under the sun. And, you know, I'm always into lifelong learning. That's one of the key principles of our upcoming book. And I predominantly for my first 15 years taught civics and economics, and they were mainly sophomores. And I was thinking, okay, I'm teaching, teaching the civic stuff, which I really enjoy and I'm passionate about politics. I was a political science major in college. And I really took a liking to the economic stuff. Now, I'm more on the personal finance side where you have a lot of knowledge on the economic side. And I started thinking, man, a lot of these kids are 15, 16 years old when they leave my class. But many of them had good, excuse me, they had good questions about budgeting and Roth IRAs and 401ks. But they were 15, 16. Most of them didn't drive or have a job. So over time, I eventually said, you know what, on my little exit survey, when they leave, I'm going to post a link on there and say, hey, feel free when you leave this class to join this uh, public Facebook page called Beyond JHS Dave Ramsey, because I was teaching the Dave Ramsey um, curriculum in that class for a little bit. Sure enough, that community builds up. We get up to around 500 people. They're inviting parents. They're inviting family members. Other teachers are joining. And sure enough, I see Brandon Spies joins the group. And, you know, I didn't know that you had gone through a divorce. I didn't really know your financial situation, but you were always making really positive comments, you know, really inquisitive comments and just really good, good stuff going on there. You're probably our number one fan on that page. So I just knew, man, this guy's a smart guy. He's a teacher. He's a coach. He's been very successful. Heck, why don't we just have him come on this podcast? I shot, I took that shot and you said yes, reluctantly. (laughs) Yeah, you had to talk me into it because I and and what taught what what allowed what I think the thought that convinced me, and I can't remember if you said it or if I said it or if it just came up, you know, between the two of us, but that if I could be transparent and just, you know, just tell I can't pass myself off as an expert. I mean, I, you know, at that time I was far from that. I mean, I'm still far from that, but I mean, I was way down the line. And um, but you know, the show is about the guests that we bring on mostly. You know, you and your wife have been very successful with money. You know, you crossed that net worth millionaire status. You guys have been very smart with, with you know, you've lived a frugal lifestyle. Even, even as a middle and high income earner being together, you guys have lived a frugal lifestyle. You've been fearless with your investments. Um, you've been, yeah, you're, you are a lifelong learner. You and your wife are in terms of learning as much as you possibly can all the time. You know, you, you get the, all of the principles that have been true about it with all of our guests. They've all been 
you know, practiced in your life. Um, so you were more like an expert than me. I, I wasn't even close. And so as long as I could come on the show and be transparent about who I was, um, and then we interview the guests and we, and, and it's almost like I was learning as we went, you know, but the questions that I was asking, they, most of the people, they were saying things you already knew about, right? But, but they were saying things that I didn't know about. So I guess some of the value I brought was I was asking the questions that someone out there in, that, that was listening, they probably would have been asking because I, I didn't know what I didn't, I, I didn't know really a lot of things on the personal finance side. I knew the mechanics, but I didn't know the details. And so, you know, getting these people on the show and asking them questions was really great. And so not only have I become inspired since being on the show, because I've been inspired to believe that I can do this, that I can build wealth as a teacher, but I've learned so much. It's almost been like a master's course with the first, you know, hundred episodes or so. And you're all about generational social mobility and time and time again, in all the research coach, it's not about the money. It's about sharing and passing on the knowledge so that next generation can know how to manage their money. The good news, the good news for both of us, and you're a smarter guy than I am, is that you don't have to be a, a genius. You don't have to have a high IQ. You don't have to have been uh, you know, top 10 in your graduating class in high school or graduate with, with honors in college to do this. 80% of personal finance is behavior. Only 20% of it's head knowledge. You have all the head knowledge that you need to be successful. And you're going to be able to pass on those behaviors and share that with your friends and family. And that can change future generations as we go. And I know that's a huge passion for both of us. Yeah, I care. So I think discovering your why is really important. You know, first you have to be inspired that you can, but once you're inspired that you can, you really need to know the why. And for me, the why is really simple, you know, uh, I've, I've got, I've got children in my family that I would like to pass knowledge and wealth onto and give them a bump, you know, in both areas so that when they turn, you know, 21, 22, 23 years old, they're graduating from college or whatever, and they're starting their life that they don't have to learn those lessons the hard way, the way that I did. I want them to, to be able to hit the ground running when they're ready to, to start life. And, you know, and that kind of is a good segue into the other thing that the podcast did for me personally is uh, it reconnected me with uh, a woman that is because that is the woman of my dreams you know and uh, and I can remember she started Lori Grady started posting on the on the on the on the show the on the Facebook page and you were like well who's this Lori Grady you know she she's been you know doing a lot of posting I said oh that would be um that would be the girl of my dreams right there I said but uh, I don't think she's available so but uh, yeah I grew up with her we were in the fourth grade together you know and um and uh, as time went on, you know, she she became single and uh, and we reconnected through the show. And uh, and so the show has uh, done a little bit more for me than just uh, introduce me to a bunch of good people and uh, inspire me and teach me. Uh, I also met the woman that I'm going to marry uh, doing this show. So. And you're the you're the king of the wild card. There it I'm is. The, that made that officially makes me the king of the wild card. But what brought that up is, is, you know, she has sisters. They have children. And, and so this idea of generational social mobility, you know, I, I, we've, we've got young people in our family and, you know, Lori's the same way as I, you know, when we sit down and we talk about what our life is going to look like together and how we're going to build wealth and what we're going to do, you know, the biggest motivating factor for both of us, it always comes down to passing down knowledge and wealth to the young people in our family. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a 10 year old and an eight year old and 
you know, one of the the biggest things that happened in our lives was in during COVID 2019, December, my wife you know, had felt a little lump uh, on her chest and didn't tell me about it. Didn't want me to worry about it. And uh, sure enough, you know, privately went to the doctor and uh, comes back and find, find out that she has three different uh, lumps of cancer on her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the kids, I think at that point were five and four years old. I mean, I know COVID was terrible for a lot of people uh, in our lives. We were very fortunate with COVID that school got shut down coach. You know, when school shut down, she had COVID, which was scary. Um, but it enabled me to be home with her every day. We're teaching remote. I was able to drive her back and forth to Raleigh and, and that made me even understand another layer of this stuff of how does our health insurance work? I had no idea as a teacher, because neither one of us had ever been sick, how my teacher health insurance worked. And we had a million dollars of medical bills in 12 months and out of pocket, we only had to pay $6,000. So here in North Carolina, um, I know there's a lot of issues and, and we don't spend a whole lot of time on the negative because there's already enough stuff out there about that. Right. But one thing I can say is we've got that Cadillac insurance plan when it comes to a big thing happening. So just seeing her strength going through that and continuing to work and be a mom and be a wife, you know, thank God she's cancer free now. It's been three years, uh, but that was a big part of our story. And again, more of a motivation because I think up to that point, I grew up in a very frugal family. You and I grew up very similar, blue collar family. My dad worked in a factory for 35 years. Your dad was a railroad man. Neither one of us grew up with a silver spoon in our hand, both probably middle class, little to middle to lower middle class families, I would think. Uh, And here we are talking about money every day. But that changed our perspective because I was always the person that would tell my wife, hey, in five years, if we just continue to save. In three years, we'll be able to do this. In five years, we'll be able to do that. In 10 years, we'll be able to do this. Well, once that happens and they say, hey, if we didn't find this, you know, you'd, you would have been dead within six months. That changes your perspective a little bit. So I'm now learning how to balance saving, investing, and being fearless in all those areas, but also really honing in on what do we value. And I know my wife and I value family the most uh, and travel and different things like that. So I'm having to learn how to take my foot off the gas just a little bit to enjoy things while we're here, because it is a balance. You can't take it with you, but you do want to balance, you know, saving for the future, passing on generational wealth for that social mobility for your kids, but also raising children in our instance with an eight and 10 year old that they're not entitled, they're not spoiled, and that they're also smart with their money. So it's such a process and you have to be a lifelong learner because every year in your journey changes. You went from being a single guy who was, I hope this doesn't sound too bad, but fairly hopeless uh, when it came to the world of finances when we started this show. I think even to the point where you and I would get into it and you'd get very frustrated that this this can't happen. This this isn't going to work for a teacher. There's no way. And then we had guest after guest that kind of showed you, Brandon, it can happen. It's happening with other people. But now you're engaged to be married. You've got lots of big financial decisions that you guys will have to make as a couple compared to just being single. You've always got to be a lifelong learner with your finances because the situation's changing, you know, going from no kids to having kids to having your kids in daycare to now you get that raise when your kid goes to kindergarten, you constantly have to be massaging your finances and keeping the lines of communication open, uh, especially if you're married. Yeah, that's actually the last chapter that we're writing for the book is the is the lifelong learning chapter on how you have to keep learning about 
your situation essentially because your situation's constantly changing. Yeah, I mean, you know, back in January 2020, I mean, I I, I was, I, I mean, I didn't recognize it as this at the time because I was still, you know, forcing myself to get up, go to work, do what I had to do. But I mean, I was pretty depressed during that time. I think that's what anybody else would have said if they would if they would have been, you know, around me. But um, but yeah, I was I was pretty pretty down, you know. I would say by the time we started the podcast in February of 2020, I had fed on enough books and podcasts and and YouTube videos, and I'd heard Dave Ramsey call me stupid ten or twelve times uh, or more, <laughs> and I was I was I was kind of snapping out of that a little a little bit, not not completely though, but I was beginning to see some light. Like I had a plan anyway on paper on how I was going to get out of debt. And, and I was banging away at it at that time. I was Can you imagine away. at that time? I, I love that you just said at that time. Yeah. At that time, you discovered whatever Dave Ramsey's book is called, uh, Total Money Makeover or whatever. Yeah, you yeah. discovered that Total book. Money. You discovered yeah. the YouTube videos. Did you ever think at that time that two years later, you'd actually be sitting down and hanging out with Dave Ramsey's daughter, Rachel Cruz, on a financial podcast? And yeah, right. he's sending you two autographed copies uh, in the mail for your, for your fiance and her son. Did you ever think that would happen? I, I, I would have never guessed it. I, matter of fact, I would have probably never guessed that I would be dating again, honestly. I mean, we did that, we did that one show where we got, we, we called it, we got financially naked and I put my budget up there and my budget revealed that I had no life at that time because, <laughs> because I wasn't doing anything but paying off debt. That's all I was doing and uh, paying my bills, paying off debt, sitting at home, eating rice and beans and eggs and potatoes. And that's what I was doing, you know, and, um, but, you know, uh, you know, yeah. So as the show went on, you know, I, I learned, I became inspired. I had setbacks, you know, as I went and, um, and then there was the transition from being the single guy with no life to, you know, meeting Lori and, and starting the, the process of dating. And, and uh, I, be, I, I struggled with how to execute a budget under those conditions and, uh, and, and I don't know that I ever really did get the hang of that. Honestly, we are, she and I've had some great experiences, uh, during the dating process and I wouldn't trade any of those, but, but I, I certainly struggled, but it, it is, you know, you look back at each season of your life and you say, okay, what can I learn from that moving forward? And, um, and, you know, so now, you know, that we've set a date, you know, we're going to get married August 12th and, um, you know, which is really exciting, you know, and, and, and we're talking about the life that, that we want to build together and, you know, she's got a son. Uh, he's he's 21, and um, very, he's very successful in his own right. I mean, he's a he's a great great young man. Um, but you know, you start thinking about the future, and you start thinking about okay, what do we what do we want to build to pass down uh, to 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 him and to his children and to our nieces and nephews and their children, and just kind of circling back to that social mobility thing. You know, that, that, be, so, so in other words, what I, I guess what I'm in a roundabout way, what I'm trying to say is two years ago, I couldn't hardly see the light at the end of the tunnel. And now I'm talking about building wealth so I can pass it down to generations be, you know, under me. So that is a huge mindset shift that has taken place. Mm. People have to find the why and what yep. they're in, in what, why, why are, first of all, you can second, why are you doing it? And I think the idea of social mobility for me is, is my why. So that's, that's a great story coach. And and I'll go back. I remember being a young teacher. I had that mindset a little bit too. I grew up on family, great parents. Uh, they're celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary this year, but I grew up in a family where neither parent was college educated. My dad worked really hard. My mom made the decision. She's very smart, but she made the decision to stay at home to raise my sister and I. And when I moved to North Carolina from Ohio to teach, 
you know, I kind of had that woe is me attitude. I hung out with a bunch of teacher coaches that, you know, we had a really good time, but we didn't really have anything invested or saved or anything like that. Now I, w- I was good at saving. Uh, we had five teachers that lived here near the beach at North Topsail Island. And I, th- I think our rent was uh, $300 a month a piece coach. Can you imagine $300 a month? Because we lived in this house and we split up all the rent and I had $5,000 or so saved, but I had no money invested as a young teacher. I didn't know what a 401k was. I didn't know what a Roth IRA was. I didn't know what an index fund was. And sure enough, at 25 years old, I ended up meeting my, my now bride and she was a real estate agent making 65 to 75,000 a year. I'm making 30 grand a year as a young teacher. And I had more money in savings than she did. She had a $40,000 vehicle payment. She had $20,000 on a credit card for who knows what. And at that point I realized, wow, I make 30 grand a year and she makes more than double what I make, but income isn't always the solution to our problems. That's right. And we had a, a saver. That was me. And we had a spender and, you know, it took years for her and I to date. We dated for three years. And I remember, you know, we had some funny conversations. You can go back and listen to our episode. If you want to listen to that, I forget which one it is, but she basically told me as a real estate agent, if you keep renting, she's like, I'm not going to date a renter. Like you're throwing your money away. And I said, well, if you keep doing stupid stuff with your money, I'm not going to date somebody who's got credit card debt. So it took us three years of dating, you know, for us to each get in a position, you know, to be on a solid foundation. But even then it took years for us to get to where we're at now. So opposites do attract, uh, at least in my situation, my wife, who was the spender is now turning into the minimalist. (laughs) And here I am now uh, starting to spend a little bit of money, but it's funny how the lifelong learning process changes as you go. Yeah, absolutely. So Lori and I both have a tendency towards spending. And so, but, but we're cognizant of that and we're fashioning out a plan to, to, uh, to, that'll work for us, I think. So um, yeah. So it's interesting. Opposites did not attract in this situation. So uh, I actually heard Dave Ramsey say that same thing one time. He said, a lot of times spenders marry savers. And I looked at her, I was like, not in our case, <laughs> That's funny. but we like to spend money on experiences mostly though. So, you know, we're, we, but, but we, we've got, a, I think we've got a pretty good plan to, um, to, to where we can do the things that we value, but still build wealth. And, and again, the why is the important thing. Same thing for you, you know, um, and your wife, you know, you, you guys change your mind about what was important. Oh, and yeah. when that happens and you have your why and you know why you're doing what you're doing, then all of a sudden it becomes a whole lot easier to stay laser focused. Whereas when I look at myself at, you know, between the ages, especially of about 22, 23, I think I was 22 when I took my first job. And I'd say mid thirties, I didn't have any direction at that time. I mean, I'm just kind of meandering through life financially. You know, I had big time goals in the classroom, big time goals on the athletic field and things like that, but I had no goals elsewhere. But as far as finances go and things like that, whereas now you could flip that, you know, the, I, I'm, I think I've got my priorities in order now. Finally, you know, I'm behind the learning curve, but I finally got there. But, um, but what an incredible ride it's been on this show and, you know, the, the three big things that we have taken away, we've, we've heard the stories of so many teachers that are either net worth millionaires or on their way to being net worth millionaires. We've heard from many experts. Um, we've just been, the fit family has grown to the point now where, man, we have had some really unbelievable people that we've been able to meet. And there's three things that are true in all their stories. We call them the three imperatives. The first imperative is to be frugal, be frugal with a twist because you can actually, you don't have to be 
completely frugal on everything. I mean, you can find the things that you value and spend money there. Give yourself permission to spend money there with a good budget. But but you've got to be frugal, though. You can't have everything. you got to be smart. Be fearless because it, it does take a level of courage to invest your money in the stock market or real estate, to step out and start that business uh, or side hustle. You know, th those things take courage to put yourself out there. And there is a level of fearlessness in the stories that we hear. And the third one is, is that, well, by virtue of the fact they're on the show, because they probably heard about the show because they listened to podcasts. The third imperative is to be a lifelong learner. And the people that are really successful with money that we're coming across, they are always, um, you know, studying, reading, listening to podcasts, talking to, to people that are doing well with money. They're always trying to learn. And, and those are the, so in my life, even though I'm still working to get myself to a place where I'm building wealth, you know, I know that if I practice those three imperatives in my life and they become habits and then, you know, those three imperatives, of course, produce other habits in my life. I know if I stay that course, I'm going to eventually get there. Yeah, I think we've got a lot of big things going on. This is all about giving teachers hope. You know, initially this this all got started because my principal uh, had said during COVID, hey, can you put on some of those workshops you do uh, with our teachers? And then one of the teachers there said, hey, you should you should like do this, do this for real. That was really good. Uh, then we got inspired to do the podcast. Um, we've done teacher workshops. We had over 500 North Carolina teachers go through our workshops. We've got the book coming out. Yes, the book is coming out. Um, we've been working on it. And one of the key things for uh, the book, I don't know if you want to call it a delay, is that you were the head golf coach this spring for the first time ever, I believe, as a golf coach. And congratulations, you had a state qualifier. And I was the head varsity tennis coach at Jacksonville High School. But we both made the big decision that we're going to step out of high school coaching uh, moving forward. Yeah, that's and that, for me, that's really exciting. I've, I've, I've started pursuing my master's degree in administration. I've become very concerned about the future of education in North Carolina. I've become very concerned about the overall well-being of our teachers. And, um, and, and so that is that has really adjusted my focus. I mean, I still love my students and I'm passionate about the classroom. But I, I guess you might say that my what, what I'm passionate about has grown. It's widened. And I'm starting to look at the education as a whole. And so the idea of being able to kind of move up in administration and, and potentially beyond that so that I can start trying to make a difference in those areas. Um, I'm very concerned about teachers' well-being in the sense that I know teachers are struggling with money. And so that made me want to do the podcast. It makes me want to you know, it made me want to continue the podcast, I should say, you know, there were times in there, I would say, Dave, are you sure you want me to keep doing this? I mean, I think you could probably do this on your own. And you were always like, no, I'll keep doing it, you know, but it, 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 I, there were times there where I thought, you know, um, I think we're really helping teachers. Those, those messages we get from teachers who tell us that, you know, that it, it inspired me, you know, and it said, okay, well, if this is helping teachers, I, I want to keep doing it. You know, this is, it's fun to, to, to help, you know? And so, uh, but I'm, I'm concerned because teachers that struggle with money, they're going to have a hard time in the classroom. I've been there, done that. I know that's tough. It's tough yeah, to go to work every day. And, you know. yeah, we just got a message uh, recently from a teacher here in North Carolina, actually an administrator. She went through our financial coaching and she just got $40,000 of her student loans forgiven. So she has a $100, $150 Find Your Freedom meeting, goes through the three-month coaching plan. Uh, we turn her on to the student loan forgiveness that we uh, got from David Gorley and she has $40,000 for giving coach. So I'm so excited on this journey as we get the book released this summer. Uh, we're going to offer that financial coaching. We're going to be doing some online workshops. We're going to be traveling around North Carolina, trying to get this book in the hands of every teacher, because I can only imagine what my life would look like 
if I would have got that book when I was 22 years old as a first year teacher to provide the roadmap for how to do it. You just follow the roadmap of what other people have done. So a lot of fun, coach. I really appreciate you being here and sharing your story. Yeah, man, I, this was a, I, I'm, I'm glad this was a good idea, you know, just to kind of reintroduce ourselves here a little bit. And it's a good title. If anybody wants to, to get to know us, they can listen to this episode and they can learn about us. And I'm looking forward to the episode where uh, Lori and I can come on here and talk about the, the maybe, I don't know, maybe sometime in the fall after we've had a couple of months under our belt of, of, of executing a budget and starting out in life, you know, on, you know, starting off in a, in a, in a new season of our life, you know, so but um, I think that's kind of what makes this show unique is that both of us um, are pretty transparent about what we've been through and what we go through. And, and, you know, and then the, and then the other thing that I think really makes the show, and I didn't know this when we first started, but I know it now uh, people are, people love to hear the stories of teachers that are, that are doing well with money, the setbacks they've experienced because they identify with that. And, um, and so I'm looking forward to keep doing it, man. Let's, let's do another 200 or another, well, wait, what are we 114? Let's do another 114 episodes and see where we're at. Hey, absolutely coach. Well, I appreciate you. And again, if you get a chance to leave us a five-star review on Apple podcast, that would be greatly appreciated as it helps spread the message of hope for teachers all across the world. So coach, thank you so much. And of course, thank you to all the listeners for joining us on this week's version of the fit educator podcast. We hope you join us for next week. And as always, be frugal, be fearless, and be a lifelong learner. Take care, everybody.